0: Unless someone tells me differently, we are we are following our part, our, our normal practices. And so it doesn't matter your status, we we have mugshots ready for you.
1: <laughs> Mug shots are standing by. In Holton County.
2: Well I don't know why I came here tonight? Yeah, that's for you, Mr. I got former the President. Something right. They work around the clock. I'm so scared and kids i fall off my chair. They can't
1: wait to take you
2: Get down You
1: handsome devil
2: Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am Stuck in
1: the middle with you I am From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the Bradcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI And Round Mountains KKRN uh, uh, in Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, and Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internet's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio... Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. For what we will uh, call Desi Doyen special coverage of the latest, the last, uh, the fourth indictment of Donald Trump of the summer. This uh, this hot indictment summer. (laughs) Uh, Disgraced, twice impeached and now four time criminally indicted former President Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants charged alongside him for various alleged, if failed, attempts to steal Georgia's 2020 presidential election from voters now have until Friday, August 25, at noon to turn themselves in voluntarily to the Fulton County Jail for booking. That, according to Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, late on Monday night after the grand jury indictment was unsealed. On Tuesday, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office announced, quote, based on guidance received from the District Attorney's Office and presiding judge, it is expected that all 19 defendants named in the indictment will be booked in the Rice Street Jail. The office added that, quote, defendants can turn themselves in at any time. The jail is open 24 7. Very convenient. Unlike Trump's three previous indictments, the sheriff's office noted the booking and arraignment processes in criminal cases operate separately in Fulton County. So they are two separate things. So Donald Trump will definitely go to jail in this case, if only to be booked, fingerprinted and mugshot, at least if the county sheriff's earlier uh, suggestion holds true. He said, quote, Unless someone tells me differently, Fulton County uh, Sheriff Pat Labatt recently told CNN, quote, We will be following the normal practices. It doesn't matter your status. We will have mugshots ready for you. That would be the first mugshot for Donald Trump if one is taken upon his arrest at the county jail because he receives special treatment. The uh, former president did not have mugshots taken in any of his last. Three criminal indictments over the past four months. I suspect you know by now that Fulton County prosecutors charged Trump and all 18 of his currently indicted co conspirators with at least one count each of violating Georgia's Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations, or RICO Act, this week. If found guilty of that one act alone, defendants will face a mandatory minimum five-year sentence. Though it's unclear if, as D.A. Willis has stated, that five-year sentence includes jail time or if probation may also be included as part of that minimum sentence. But that is just one of the 41 charges included in the indictment, 13 of which Donald Trump is personally accused of. Other charges Trump and defendants are facing include solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, conspiracy to commit filing false documents, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, filing false documents, and solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. Moreover, as we reported in great detail on Yesterday's broadcast, one of Trump's former attorneys, Sidney Powell, and several Georgia Republican and election officials are also charged in relation in relation to the breach of the tampering with the copying of and the distribution over the Internet of sensitive voting system software in Coffee County, Georgia. Software that is used across the entire battleground state, as well as in jurisdictions in more than a dozen other states. And that will be used again in the critical 2024 presidential election last uh, next year. See uh, Bradblog.com for much more on that matter, which we helped break on this program over a year ago and have been reporting on ever since. Also charged on Monday night were Trump attorneys Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Jenna Ellis, and Ken Cheesebrough. Former Trump DOJ official Jeffrey Clark, the former GOP state chair in Georgia, a sitting GOP state senator in Georgia and many others who took part in this alleged broad criminal enterprise, as alleged by Willis. The various inditees are accused of lying to high ranking state officials to strong or strong arm or hoax them into flipping the results of that state that Joe Biden won over Donald Trump. They're charged with creating and distributing faked and forged electoral uh, college documents, the appalling harassment of election workers in hopes of tricking them, hoaxing them into making false confessions of fraud. Solicitation of Justice Department officials, the solicitation of then-Vice President Mike Pence, the unlawful breach of election equipment, and acts of obstruction. In all, following the most recent indictment, his fourth in just over four months, and in theory the last one that we are at least expecting this summer, Donald John Trump is now personally facing 91 criminal felony charges across four separate jurisdictions at both the state and federal level. Even as he is not only running for president of the United States in 2024, he continues to be the choice far and away, at least for now, among Republican primary voters for next year's nomination to be the party's standard bearer, according to all recent polling Donald Trump, of course, denies any and all wrongdoing. He describes the latest indictment just like all of the others as a witch hunt against him. And he claims that he will soon reveal, quote, irrefutable evidence that the 2020 election was stolen from him disproving the mountain of actual evidence provided by prosecutors from Special Counsel Jack Smith in D.C. to Fonnie Willis in Georgia that he and his team repeatedly attempted but failed to steal the election himself. On Wednesday afternoon, according to CNN, just before airtime, D.A. Willis has requested that the judge in the Georgia case set a trial date of March four. 2024, for those keeping track of such things at home, that would be the day before Super Tuesday. Next year, when nearly 15 states will hold their presidential primaries. Okay, then. Does that sound like uh, fun to you, Desi Doyen?
3: (laughs) Not really. okay.
1: Well, you got the trial. You got Super Tuesday. Sounds a little busy. Should be an easy week. Uh, After covering the details of the latest indictment on yesterday's show, we will get to some analysis today, both legal and political, from a couple of regular guests on this program. Joining us once again today is former attorney, former Republican, and current Daily Coast legal contributor where he is known simply as Keith DB. That would be Keith Barber, who joins us from uh, from a far-right enclave in the great state of Florida. Keith Barber, welcome back. And by the way, is it funny or funny? I think it's funny. I think you might be right, but I'm sticking with Fonny. For the moment, also joining, <laughs> also joining us, uh, as is uh, frequently the case for our special coverage panel programs, is the much beloved longtime blogger known as simply Digby at her hullabaloo blog. Uh, she is the award-winning salon columnist Heather Digby Parton. Oh, Heather, welcome back to the broadcast. And is it Cheesebro or Chesbro? <laughs>
0: Well, I've heard different things, but yeah. I think we're going with Cheese Bro, aren't we? I, I mean, isn't that what we should go with? Oh, that's I, what I prefer. Okay.
4: Cheese sounds a lot more fun.
1: Cheese Bro. All right.
4: <laughs> exactly. It's, it's Cheese
1: Bro, and I actually think that's right. And for now, it's funny. And I actually think that's wrong. Anyway, Heather, <laughs> yeah. let, let me start with uh, with your top line reactions here to this sprawling 97 page indictment uh, that we have been arguing, by the way, for some time was likely to be the broadest of all of the indictments that come down, because unlike Jack Smith's federal indictment um, on, on Trump's. Attempted election theft two weeks ago, that was narrowly tailored to sort of focus only on Trump, get him to trial as soon as possible before next year's election and before Trump might be able to pardon himself if he if he becomes president again. Uh, Funny Willis, of course, is under no such constraints at the state level where Trump cannot pardon himself, even if he wins next year and becomes president again. So. I'm wondering, just uh, for the moment, your top-line thoughts on these broad new charges.
0: Well, I mean, I think I'm vastly relieved that some case actually did pull this entire story together. You know, I mean, we we didn't really know what was going to happen on the federal level, and I understand the thinking that went into, you know, producing this narrow indictment with just Trump and then these unindicted co-conspirator lawyers, and I guess there's one— um, you know, operative that's in the list. Mm-hmm. I, I get the, the reasoning behind that, but I was really glad to see that she did do this, you mm-hmm. know this sprawling story, which mm-hmm. really does encompass the entire thing, at least to the extent that we that we know about it. and it mirrors in many ways what we saw in the January 6 uh, public hear- January 6th committee public hearing, mm-hmm. which sort of brought all these things together. And so seeing this that story, go before a jury, I think is really important. And, you know, I don't care at all if it happens before the election or after it. Just this has to be done. And I'm glad to see that she did it.
1: And as someone who's been following really all of this uh, for very closely uh, over the past two and a half years or so, uh, is there anything that you learned from this indictment that you did not already know about uh, about this crime spree?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we knew about the phone calls to the various, you know, um, Republican officials in the swing states that were run by Republicans. And we knew that was that that plot was unfolding. What What's interesting uh, about all that is that I don't think at least I didn't know anything about this Coffee County. um, I mean, I knew what had happened there, but I kind of, I think, was going on the assumption that these were just. Trump people who were trying to trying to help out, you mm-hmm. know. I did not realize that Sidney Powell had, had uh, actually hired this, you know, so-called law firm to come and help them. Mm-hmm. And more than that, I didn't realize that they were uh, intent upon sharing this information that they got from the voting machine yep. with states around the country. So, I mean, I, that's kind of mind-blowing. I mean, that's the kind of conspiracy you can really sink your teeth into it, right? It, I mean, that is really yes. serious.
1: It, it Very serious. And, of course, uh, we helped break that uh, story on this I know show you last year. And I, I, we've been trying to get people to pay attention because it was actually hatched. Never mind Sidney Powell. This was actually hatched. In the Oval Office at that crazy December 18, 2020 meeting, yep. this was sort of plan B when they decided against seizing all the voting machines across the country. So there's a multi-state conspiracy. It's not just Georgia, uh, which is leading me to wonder when either Jack Smith or the Department of Justice is going to get into this because this is was this happened in a bunch of states. Uh, Keith, your uh, sort of top line response to uh, the funny Willis indictment this week and anything that surprised? you or that you learned from the uh, from the indictment?
4: Uh, the power of RICO again. Mm. I, one of the one of the names that I guess surprised me a little bit to see on there was Jeff Clark.
2: Mm. Uh,
4: Jeff Clark didn't do anything in Georgia. He never went to Georgia. I don't know if in his life he's ever been to Georgia. <laughs> but here he appears mm-hmm. on this indictment because in Washington, D.C., he drafted a letter that he then tried to get his superiors to write that said that falsely said that they had found election fraud in Georgia. The the letter was specific to Georgia. And so Fonnie Willis gets him for, you know, attempting to submit, you know, a false document or record. And um, you know, somebody that I consider to be one of the worst actors in this a uh, whole story because I, I kind of just viewed that as beyond the pale to try and sit down with your bosses and make them sign a lie and and use their boss to threaten to fire them mm-hmm. if they don't do it. Yeah, uh, as kind of just one of those big wow things in this. and and she's got him now on on um, you know the Rico charge mm-hmm. and that charge. Uh, so you know the power
1: of Rico, and it's because of Rico. Uh, you were on the show uh, a week or so ago, uh, discussing, explaining to us what the difference is between a uh, a Rico case and just a sort of a, a regular conspiracy case, where uh, they can actually bring in everyone who is involved in the enterprise. And because George's case, uh, George's Rico law is so broad, it can actually reach out to uh, b- b- crimes that were done in other states. In in furtherance of the same crime. Is that how uh, Clark sort of gets pulled into all of this?
4: Yeah, and it was, you know, like I said, Clark never went to Georgia. We don't know that he talked to anybody in Georgia. Uh, that's certainly not alleged. Mm-hmm. But he was part of the same criminal enterprise that aimed to overturn Georgia's fair election results. Mm-hmm
1: um i wasn't surprised uh so much as uh struck by the sheer amount of uh effort that went into this enterprise that we've been all following you know all along but seeing it in one place uh was was Kind of remarkable to read the story through. And also, there was this one uh, act that is detailed as part of the RICO charge that I sort of raised an eyebrow at. It it describes emails from uh, between the far right Trump attorneys, John Eastman and Ken Cheesebro, discussing on December 23 their plan for using the Electoral Count Act to have Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, which we knew about, quote, or... Grassley, that would be President Pro Tem of the Senate at the time, <laughs> Iowa's Republican Senator Chuck Grassley, um, you know, basically abused the Electoral Count Act on January 6th to toss out the legitimate Electoral, uh, count vote, electoral College votes. Um, so <laughs> were they, uh, Heather, were they already planning in December of 2020 to replace Mike Pence somehow as president of the Senate with uh, with Chuck Grassley?
0: Well, it sure sounds like it was some kind of a plan B, like maybe if Pence refused to even appear that day or something, that they could replace him with Grassley or some, you know, something like that. I mean, that's been curious to me for a while Mm -hmm. what they had in mind with that Grassley part of it. And Grassley was all in, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's not think that he was, you know, he didn't understand what he was doing. he was he was all in on this as were I mean you know as we look at this vast conspiracy here and it it truly is vast and and this this uh, indictment certainly lays it out very clearly Mm -hmm. how it was multi-state and it was at multi multiple levels of different of government officials throughout the country in these swing states Um, you know there's one group that is not uh, yeah, it hasn't come up anywhere in anything, including the January 6th committee, and that is the members of Congress who were involved in this. And right. there were a whole bunch of them, Chuck Grassley being one of them. I mm-hmm. mean, there was Mike Lee, there was, and we know all the people in the House. Trump even referenced them when he was uh, talking to the uh, acting attorney general at the time, Jeff Rosen, when he said, you know, I just need you to go out and say that there's been fraud and the Republican leads the rest of it to the Republican congressman and me. So, I mean, they, they, were, they were obviously conspiring, which I find really interesting that there's a, apparently they're just untouchable from what you can, You know, none of the none of any of the investigations have actually touched them, which is kind of a shame because there were some that were very, very closely involved. This guy, you know, Scott Perry for mm-hmm. instance that and that's one of the people that Mark Meadows brought into the whole thing um and well, Mark Meadows is another story here so mm-hmm. i find that very uh, i can i continue to find that very interesting and kind of disturbing and and to i'm be honest.
1: and and i i promise we will get to mark meadows in a second uh, cuz i know you wrote about him today but um Uh, Keith, uh, Chuck Grassley, uh, I guess you could Uh, arguably say that uh, he didn't uh, he he didn't deal with Georgia at all directly, even though we have Rico here that could bring him in. But what about Lindsey Graham? He actually made calls to the secretary of state and said, uh, can we throw out votes in the most Democratic counties in the state?
4: And he wasn't charged, and there's no hint that he's uh, even an unindicted co-conspirator. But I think yeah. we need to remember about Grassley was, I believe it was the date on January 5th, the day before, he made some sort of strange statement. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was even a tweet, but he basically said that he expected mm-hmm. to be acting as president of the Senate on the 6th right? because he didn't think Pence was going to be there.
1: Right. So it seems like they were talking about this, that there was yeah. some plan. So, uh,
4: you know, and then, uh, you know, Pence basically said, well, I am and Grassley backed mm-hmm. off. And uh, but it created a bit of a tempest for a short period of time when a lot of other things were obviously going on. Um, but, uh, you know, that it has been one of those unresolved little mysteries about this, that statement. Um, and, and it remains so. Uh, and mm-hmm. and no, oh, she could have charged him, I suppose, but she she didn't. She didn't. I doubt there was enough evidence.
1: Well, we'll see. Can if, I
4: just add something yeah. on
0: that? I mean, the uh, the Grassley thing. Yeah. One of the things that had occurred to me was, you know, we remember that when the the um, they stormed the Capitol. And they were trying, you know, they were chasing Mike Pence through the halls saying, hang Mike Pence. You mean that tour, that tour, that, and,
1: that tour, tourist event. Right. The happened. tourist yes, visit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Where they're having their picnics and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was really nice. Um, and so he was he was taken down to the garage where he stayed, refused to get in the car. You remember? And he said, I won't. You know, I trust mm-hmm. you. He said to his own Secret Service detail that said, I don't know who these guys are. And there was talk back in the White House. Of, you know, his, his national security advisor, Keith Kellogg, mm-hmm. uh, who, by the way, has turned on him and is now a full-blown Trumper. But yeah. it, aside from that, mm-hmm. he said to, uh, to the head of the Secret Service or the liaison with the Secret Service there, he said, you know, well, we're afraid that if, if we let him get in that car, that you're not going to bring him back. And they had had word that the Secret Service, that they they were a little concerned about the Secret Service, you remember, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, Mike Pence was worried about it. It just occurred to me when I was looking at this Grassley thing a while back, and I was thinking, huh, did they think that maybe they would take Mike Pence out of there, that there would be some, you know, that I don't know, that they kind of knew that there might be some kind of commotion? And that Mike Pence would be taken away, and then they would have to replace him with the, you yeah. know, pro tem, uh, like, like Chuck Grassley, and that would be the way that it was. I mean, you really have to wonder, you know, how, I mean, this was a strange moment and a strange plan B yeah. uh, to have Grassley sort of waiting. And there was that whole little contretemps with, with, um, pence down in the garage. So anyway, just thought I'd throw that out yeah. there. It was one of those things that's kind of been rattling around in my head for a while.
1: Uh, no, so, absolutely. Uh, it, it, would, it, it would Let me it would just make this, uh, give you this thought that, uh, you know, we we know the Secret Service was sort of in the tank for Donald Trump. It would, yep. would have been very easy to put together a scheme that says, all right, we'll cause a disturbance. We'll hustle the vice president out for his safety. We will uh, bring him away. And then Chuck Grassley, who has already agreed to go along with this scheme, he'll take over as president of the Senate, because he's uh, president pro tem, and uh, we send everything back to the states or whatever it is they were planning to do, it sure sounds like there's unexplored uh, uh, <laughs> crimes going, on, criming going on there. Keith, uh, <laughs> I, I cut you off. Keith, go ahead.
4: Yeah, w- way back when I'm, I'm trying to find it to even remember when it was, but I wrote an article about it mm-hmm. entitled, you know, the plot to kidnap the vice president of the United States. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got that direct about it. Yeah. Um, and um, and I mean, it's pretty chilling. You had the vice president sit, sitting there and saying to a Secret Service detail, I'm not getting in that car. Yep. <laughs>
1: And, then, um, and that's the point that I keep. Uh, I've come back. I know uh, Heather and I have talked about this a lot of times. That was the point, perhaps the only point that I'm willing to give uh, Mike Pence a Profile yeah. <laughs> and Courage award for. But that moment was critical. Had he gotten into that car, I think we would be living and, and was taken away and Grassley uh, took over in the uh, in the Senate. I think we might be living in a very different world today. Let me move on to uh, Mark Meadows. Um, and I know, Heather, you wrote about it. I have a question for you about your uh, piece at Salon today. But, uh, Keith, if you can tell me, uh, Meadows took uh, very quick action here on the day after the indictment this week to file a motion to remove the Georgia his uh, Georgia indictment from state to federal court. What is his hope there? Uh, what would such a change in venue actually get him? And, and what are his odds of success as you see it in that motion? Right. Well,
4: you know, it's got a reasonable chance. He is arguing that he was acting as a federal official mm-hmm. and the law provides for removal for federal officers acting within their, you know, the, the capacity of their job, uh, really in order to prevent state officials from trying to punish federal officials for from doing their job. And uh, so it's got a credible chance. I'm sure that Bonnie Willis will have arguments against it, Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's at risk. I think that he is hoping to complicate the case and to delay it, to get it into a federal court where there will at least be a chance that the judge is a Trump appointee Mm. and therefore might be more favorable to him, and to get it uh, in a venue where he is more likely to get a favorable jury. Mm.
1: And, of course, if it's a— Uh, If if that goes his way, if it becomes a federal trial, would he then be charged under federal law or Georgia state law? In other words, if Donald Trump was then able to uh, win the presidential election next year, would he be able to pardon Mark Meadows?
4: No, he would not.
1: Because it would still be state Uh, charges. but It would
4: act as a state conviction still while tried in a federal court. It would be prosecuted still under the state laws that Fonnie Willis has charged. And in fact, Fonnie Willis's office would still be the prosecutors for the case and not federal prosecutors from the Department of Justice.
1: Well, it is interesting that in the Georgia case, Meadows is charged, like all of the uh, uh, 19 of the co-conspirators under the RICO charge, uh, number one, but he's only charged under one other for one other act, whereas most of the folks, uh, Keith, you pointed out, uh, you know, have charges have about seven charges each on average. Uh, Heather, you have an article up today at Salon um, that uh, was written. I saw the headline and I thought, wait, wait, did she write this after the Georgia indictment in which. uh, (laughs) Um, you know, Meadows was charged on these two counts. But, in fact, um, uh, you're arguing that he may have flipped, at least in the federal case. Can you explain your theory there in that uh, piece at Salon?
0: Well, I, you know, I don't know. And I don't think anybody knows. It's been one of the great mysteries of this whole thing. I should preface this by saying Mark Meadows did one smart thing in his life. He's not the smartest guy. But he hired a lawyer by the name of George Terwilliger, who is a very highly respected lawyer in washington dc he was a member of the bush administration and i think he travels in the same circles as bill barr mm. you know he's in that kind of a group right very hardcore conservative lawyer but he has protected mark meadows throughout this entire thing very very wisely and mark meadows has actually done what he told him to do and he shut his piehole and did <laughs> not go out and start talking on tv about all this and so it's been very curious what he did. We know that he testified before the federal grand jury, and it's very weird that he didn't show up in that indictment of Donald Trump because he was intimately involved in all this stuff. We also know that he was—I mean, we know he was intimately involved. He was calling people, like I said earlier, he brought in this guy Scott Perry, who was a—you know—who was a big part of the the whole scheme with the Department of Justice. He—he he was very much—he was passing around. Um, to the Department of Justice telling them to investigate things like the weird Italian satellite conspiracy theory. That was Scott, I mean, he was Scott Perry, there. the
1: uh, Republican, uh, Republican congressman, congressman from Pennsylvania. From yeah. Pencil-
0: yeah, exactly. So, he, you know, he was earlier when he had, when the January 6th committee first, um, you know, subpoenaed him, he cooperated and he gave them a bunch of information. And then his book came out and Trump got angry at him because he talked about how he was disheveled and wearing a T-shirt when he had covid and 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 uh, you know meadows shut down now i suspect he shut down because of his lawyer um terwilliger who told him okay that's it you're not doing that and when it when it went to the department of justice they they filed a contempt charge against him for failing to you know fulfill a subpoena the the congress did the Mm -hmm. committee did and the doj didn't didn't charge him they did charge bannon Steve Bannon, and they charged um, Peter Navarro, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't charge him, and they didn't charge Dan Scavino. So maybe that came under some executive privilege thing. In any case, I'm just saying it, it's weird. He went to Georgia. He was he was um, subpoenaed down there. He testified before the grand jury, the the original uh, special grand jury, mm-hmm. and he took the fifth apparently. Now we know why he took the fifth because you can see by this indictment <laughs> that they had him. You know that they that. He they are indicted, they indicted him yeah. on this crime of talking on the Raffensburger call. Apparently, he said some things on that call. I can't remember the specific words. I wrote it in there. In fact, the judge that was handling the grand jury actually used these words to say that he was, I don't know, eagerly and enthusiastically or something like that, mm-hmm. offering information on that call. So, you know, the. He, he got indicted for that. And then, of course, in the grand scheme of this big conspiracy, they talk a lot about Meadows being involved. With, he was in meetings with Trump, with the Pennsylvania you know, um, right. delegation and yeah. all this other stuff. What we don't know is what in the world is going on with, Matt, with Mark Meadows. Why is he being treated with kid gloves when we know for a fact that he was involved in absolutely everything there. It's documented. We know it. And other people who were just sort of peripherally and tangentially involved have been either named as unindicted co-conspirators or have been, you know, actually indicted. And so it's very, very strange. I don't know why. I don't know if he flipped. I didn't write the headline, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do that. Um, but a, in any case, it does say it's very it sh- curious.
1: It sure looks like he's flipped on Trump. That's in the headline. That's uh,
0: not my headline. I understand. I understand. <laughs>
1: That's Salon's headline. But uh, but uh-huh. you 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 asked the question. Is it possible that he has uh, yeah. that he has flipped? And let me uh, before I got to get to a break here. So very quickly, Keith. Bar- is it possible that Mark Meadows could flip in and I guess, uh, Heather, your argument is that he's flipped in the federal case, if not Not cooperated in some way, cooperated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is it possible, uh, Keith, that he could be cooperating at the federal level, but uh, not cooperating at the state level where he was charged in the funny Willis case?
4: It's possible. Um, Well, that is awfully. It's awfully weird. Why would you? spill your beans to jack smith but then plead the fifth down in atlanta um you know there is all sorts of speculation on twitter i guess i should call it x uh (laughs) that meadows has flipped that he's you know he's been flipped for a long time uh i just tend to be skeptical of that Mm -hmm. sort of thing until there's real evidence of it you know it's 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 like Heather said. He's done what a a subject or target to investigation should do, and that is shut up. Right. Uh, any you know any targets of investigations not named Donald Trump generally understand that. Well, it and, do, it, it does. You
1: know, yeah, go ahead.
4: All all we can do is we're trying to infer from his silence that maybe he's cooperating. This the silence. And the fact that he hasn't been, right, you know, charged by Jack Smith. But then again, only Trump has been charged. Well, but he,
1: but he also wasn't named as an unindicted co-conspirator, as uh, six other people were in that case. And as you would think, since he was neck deep in so much of this stuff uh, at the the federal level and a bunch of states, that he would have been been at least named as an unindicted co-conspirator. Uh, which does uh, sort of lean in uh, in the favor of the argument that uh, uh, Digby is uh, suggesting there, at least. Listen, guys, i got to take a quick break. I want to come back and talk about (laughs) Trump's uh, claims at exoneration uh, and uh, some more political stuff, including the GOP, the first GOP debate, which is, Oh, Desi's already frowning at this <laughs> Which is next week Yeah. Uh, and uh, whether Donald Trump can actually With all of this baggage Still end up being the Republican nominee For President of the United States All of that is straight ahead Right here on our special coverage today uh, at, On the broadcast With Keith Barber and Heather Digby-Parton I'm Brad Friedman Don't touch that dial <laughs>
2: I am an innocent
1: Good luck with that. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Special coverage of the latest uh, indictment of Donald Trump. 97 pages, 41 charges overall, 19 uh, uh, co conspirators, RICO charges. Thirteen of those charges against Donald Trump himself with Salon's Heather Digby Parton, Daily Kos's Keith Barber. Uh, as, as, as Trump supporters woke up on Tuesday morning following the late night indictment, uh, the announcement of the indictment of Trump on Monday in Georgia, the first thing that they may have seen was an early morning post by Trump at his social media Website reading, quote, a large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable report, in all caps, for some reason, I don't know, (laughs) on the presidential election fraud, which took place in Georgia, is almost complete and will be presented by me at a major news conference at 11 a.m. on Monday of next week in Bedminster, New Jersey, based on the results of this conclusive all caps report all charges will be dropped should all charges should be dropped against me and others there will be a complete exoneration they never went after those that rigged the election he argues they only went after those that fought to find the riggers okay uh heather heather digby barton uh well, what do you expect uh, from this irrefutable report? And am I wrong for even raising attention to it over our public airwaves today?
0: Uh, no, I think it's actually quite smart of you to raise it. And I think it's important that you raise it. And here's why.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The, what the reaction that I'm seeing is Republicans, you know, absolutely hanging their heads and <laughs> going, oh, my God, here we go again with <laughs> The, uh, you know, the 2020 election and the big lie. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to shut up about it. And they told him after the 2022 election that he shouldn't talk about it anymore. People didn't like it. People were sick of it. And I suppose it was inevitable considering these cases that have come up, you know, they, these indictments that are all about the 2020 election. But nonetheless, they didn't want him out here doing that stuff, you know, (laughs) trying to, you know, holding up charts and doing all that stupid stuff again. Uh So, yeah, I think it's important. I think everyone should take a look at that. I think it's really important that everybody see that especially Republicans, I hope they tune in and, and watch it with, you know, with with rapt focus, because <laughs> yeah. it's important that this get out there. We need to be talking about the 2020 election
1: again. I'm sure it will not be easily debunked material either. Uh, no, Keith of course Bar- not. Keith Barber, uh, you, uh, you, you mentioned uh, via email that uh, I think when this came out uh, uh, on uh, Tuesday, uh, that his post contains his usual nonsense about it was rigged, his rantings and, and a claim that next week he's going to refute the irrefutable report uh, proving Georgia's or will, will release the an irrefutable r- report proving that Georgia's uh, election was defrauded. And then you say this could maybe bite him. Uh, setting aside the political, uh, matter that I think Heather was referring to there, I think you're referring to legally. How could this bite him on Monday, uh, legally?
4: Well, let's, let's face it. This thing isn't going to contain anything new, nothing. It's going to be just a rehashing of the old garbage, you know, expect to see the video again of the suitcases being rolled out with ballots. Um, you know, it'll be the same old stuff again. Um. You know, we, Trump was the head of a criminal enterprise mm-hmm. to uh, overturn the election results in Georgia. And according to the allegations in the indictment, that criminal enterprise continued long after uh, Biden was sworn into office. You know, there are allegations that go into uh, mid-2021 and, and even 2022 associated with this so it was obvious that the criminal enterprise described by fonnie willis was going on then Fonnie willis gets to argue now that the criminal enterprise is still ongoing mm. they're still doing it mm-hmm. it hasn't disbanded it hasn't dissolved it's the criminal enterprise is running to this day mm. uh that trump you know put up these people to come up with this false report just as he put up you know other proxies to lie for him in georgia on these matters and uh you know one of the strong provisions in rico i keep talking about how powerful that statute is is that it has powerful forfeiture provisions that are designed to pre-trial uh take away from a criminal enterprise its continued ability to function Mm. yeah
1: yeah, to seize and, the uh, to seize ill-gotten gains, which would make it very hard for him to defend himself, if he has to turn over, I guess, funds that he raised under these uh, false claims of uh, of
4: Yeah, I'm not sure what it would be that uh, Ms. Willis could go after, but uh, she, I'm hoping that she has some ideas. But I, you know. <laughs> She gets to say that it's not over. The criminal enterprise hasn't dissolved, and this court should do something uh, to make sure that it can no longer function.
3: Now, now, Keith, I have a quick question for you. Um, as I understand it, and please correct me if I'm long, wrong, even if Trump could prove his nonsense about the 2020 election, um, doesn't that— mean that, though, you still are not allowed to try to overthrow the government and seize the presidency, <laughs> that that's still against the law, regardless of what, how, how right you believe you are?
4: Yes, that's true. Uh, a, a genuine belief, and maybe even we'll stipulate for the purposes of discussion, this hypothetical. a correct belief uh, that there were problems with the election, that they were significant, does not mean that you can commit forgery.
2: Mm-hmm. For
4: example, and forge electoral college certificates. It does not mean that you can threaten a secretary of state with criminal prosecution unless he finds for you the exact number of votes that you need. Uh, you, you can't know, solicit
3: uh, a, an officer, uh, an official, to uh, violate their oath of office. Stuff like that is still illegal.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can't um, you can't demand that your subordinates. Sign a letter that's a lie. I I, <laughs>
1: I, I think uh, I think I saw jo- I think it was Josh Marshall at Talking Points Memo today who said, even if you think the bank owes you money, you are not allowed to go and stick up the bank to get it. <laughs> Uh, Heather, I want to uh, hit a couple more uh, uh, points here on on the political side of this very quickly in the few minutes that we have. Um, what uh, so uh, uh, kind of a screeching turn here, but Heather, what should we expect from the uh, first GOP primary debate? The uh, very first one will be on Wednesday, August 23, Milwaukee. Wisconsin, a critical battleground state. Uh, what should we expect from that debate? And I guess the maybe uh, interesting question of whether Donald Trump will show up for it or not.
0: Well, I think that's a, that's actually a big question. I mean, if he shows up, it's a different debate because, of course, you know, everything's all about him. Uh, and it will be potentially about him. If somebody like you know somebody like Chris Christie will obviously go after him. That's his whole brand in this it race. Should, he, it should be about him. It should be about should him. Be. Shouldn't it? I a, mean, he's what, the front runner, right? The, I mean, and, and if he doesn't show up, you'd think they would all go after him. But look at how they've reacted to everything. They all act like you know they walk around on eggshells about about Trump. So I wouldn't you know if he's not there, I don't think they'll all go after him. Maybe they'll make some te- tepid little little remark they'll ask mike pence about the the, the uh you know january 6th or the mm-hmm. case in georgia which by the way today he did say the election was not stolen in georgia big of yeah. um <laughs> so you know they'll, they'll ask him they'll ask him questions like that but i think what's going to happen i mean what, what i suspect is important here is that it will be the first sign of two things one who are going to be the first ones to drop out we'll start to see that they'll be you know some of these people well we're not going to see them again Um, And the second thing that will be everybody's watching, of course, is can DeSantis say anything to try and rescue himself? Because I think this may be his last hurrah. He is doing he's on a full Scott Walker, you know, um, (laughs) Odyssey Mm,
2: where, you know,
0: one debate or maybe it was two during the 2016 campaign. And Mm -hmm. he had been the great White bread hope like DeSantis has been right. and, and none of that's working out for him So that's what I'll be looking for anyway
1: Well, and uh, by the way, when I say It should be about uh, Donald Trump uh, Donald Trump is making The 2024 race About Donald Trump So <laughs> I, I, sure. I, it seems to me that That's the only issue that uh, Republicans are running on At this point, that they have to run on Or at least that he is letting them run on At this point
0: I totally agree. I mean, it should be about him. It is about him. He's running as an incumbent, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, pretty much so. Let's talk about him. I mean, and they don't really have anything else to say. Let's face it. There's no real agenda. Well, they're about this
1: is what it is. They're about to nominate someone with 91 criminal charges against (laughs) them. It seems like a topic of note. Uh, (laughs) Keith Barber, does uh, does Donald Trump have anything to actually gain by uh, participating in the debate
4: uh, next week? I don't think he does, and if I was his attorney, I would be doing everything in my power to keep him out of that mm. debate. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do, do not want him in a live event like that where he is being questioned, and particularly being questioned sometimes hostily by you know, his opponents, answering questions and saying things mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Christie's smart enough to try and goad him into saying something <laughs> stupid, to attacking witnesses and yeah. the court and the judge. And and Trump wants to do that anyway. He yes. does what he wants to do, and that's not what his attorney will want him to do.
0: Is it- you just convinced me that he's going to show up. <laughs> he's going to do it. I'm sure now that he's going to be there
1: because yeah. it's the most because wrong it's the thing. thing to do. Exactly. Do uh, <laughs> by the way, there's an RNC requirement in theory that uh, candidates, all the candidates, must sign a pledge to support the party's eventual nominee if they want to participate in the uh, in this debate. I think Trump has said. I, uh, uh, that I don't know if he, who 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 will and who won't sign that uh, sign that agreement. I mean, w- will Chris Christie really sign that agreement? I will support the uh, nominee, even if it's Donald Trump. Will he sign that in order to show up on the debate?
0: Well, he said that he wouldn't. But then recently, I think I heard him say that he would sign it because, you know, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Because Donald Trump is not going to follow it anyway, so mm. it is the whole thing is ridiculous. So I, you know, I suspect it's just you know
1: it's a joke. All right, let me go around the table in just a few minutes that we have here, um, because this has been coming up more and more. Uh, In my brain, I've sort of hinted at it a a little bit. Uh, It's still sort of just a spidey sense, although I am hearing since the Georgia indictment, I am hearing from uh, more listeners via email about this. Um, The question of whether... Donald Trump will actually end up being the nominee. I cannot help but think that this is not going to work out, that he may not end up being the nominee. Uh, Either the uh, you know, the GOP gets wise to the idea that nominating a guy who has been indicted four times on 91 criminal charges might not be the smartest thing. To win the presidency or that, you know, Trump will, when all else appears to be failing, start begging for a plea deal to keep himself out of prison in exchange for not running for public office anymore. Uh, It feels to me. Like somehow this just can't continue. And maybe I'm just too optimistic. But you know what? I was also optimistic when everybody said it wasn't going to happen that, yes, Donald Trump was going to finally face accountability with indictments uh, a long time ago. I, I just I'm not predicting it, but I have this feeling he is not actually going to be the nominee uh, or at least. Yeah. On the ticket, uh, when we get to uh, uh, November 2024, let me get uh, your thoughts. A- a- am-, am I wrong about that? Am I overly optimistic, Keith? Your thoughts?
4: You're wrong. Okay.
1: <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough.
4: Um, I, I will sum it up. Mark <laughs> this <laughs> down. Good we will
1: uh, play it next year, Desi Doyan, okay. if need uh, uh, be. All right, go
4: um, ahead. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump has already had a jury find that he raped a woman a judge has already ruled not once but twice that that it that is what the jury decided and his supporters do not care if his supporters do not care that a jury has found that he raped a woman they won't care about anything none of this and in the days when you thought that maybe gop leadership could to derail a candidacy, and maybe they could back in the, in, mm-hmm. in different days. That's not true anymore. Uh, this is in the hands of the radical cult MAGA segment, and nothing will deter them. And if that rape story doesn't you know, tell you that, then nothing will.
1: And even if he goes begging these prosecutors to let him off the hook once it looks like he's really going to go to prison and have to muss up his hair... Uh, that he's uh, got to get out of this some way or another. The only thing that he has to offer right now is essentially saying, "Okay, I won't run for president if you uh, don't make me go to jail."
4: He's going to pull that deal off with three different prosecutors in three different jurisdictions. And even if Jack Smith bought it, and I don't think that he would, uh, are you going to get bragged and Willis to do that too? I. I just don't see that sort of thing happening.
1: Correction. That's three different prosecutors in four different jurisdictions. Uh, Heather, so, yeah. Heather digby pardon. would you also like to tell me that I am wrong? And we're going to yes, again, I would. we are recording yes, this for the record. You, are so,
0: uh-huh. you okay. are so wrong. You are so wrong. OK. OK. Write it down, Desi. OK. Uh, okay he is Martin. wrong. Okay. Yeah. OK. Good. Right. Because <laughs> there is no, first of all, you're you're saying that Donald Trump's going to get up in front of a judge and admit that he that he committed a crime. And that he did all this, and that everything he's been saying for the last two years has been wrong, and that he is guilty, and that he's going to accept this plea deal. It's just completely. I think he would rather, honestly, think he'd rather go to jail than ever admit it. And furthermore, yeah, the thing that he thinks is going to save him is becoming president again. Now I realize that this state, you know, indictments that he's facing in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think he's just thinking, I'll wing that too. I'll figure out a way. I'll get some new. Georgia, you know, some new guy in the in the governor's mansion and we'll make yeah. it so they can pardon me. I mean, he no way. He just assumes that his that his way out of this is to win the election and then basically make all this stuff go away. So I don't think there's a chance in hell that he will. Face, thinks he's facing going to jail. I don't think he believes he will ever go to jail.
1: And uh, I, I take it that means you also agree with Keith that uh, the voters are not going to get wise to this. Remember, we're still you know, months away uh, from the actual uh, primary voters turning out. They're not going to be looking at this and go, you know what, do we really want to nominate a guy who's facing 91 charges as our standard bearer? You don't think that's going to have any effect on the uh, Republican voters next year, it
0: might have an effect on some Republican voters, but not enough to deny him the nomination. I mean, there may be some who are going, "Hey, you know, do we really want this?" But there just aren't enough of them. Most of the party are MAGA now, and they are going to vote for him. And if if he isn't the nominee, if somehow or another someone else becomes the nominee, and Donald Trump is still standing. They're not going to vote at all because it's all about him for these people. As long as he's on mm. the stage, it's about him. So as we were saying earlier, so I just don't I just don't see any possibility that he's not going to be not going to be the guy unless, you know, obviously something happens to him physically. If he, if he gets like nature or, takes its course you know. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That that sort of thing, if that happened, then obviously that would be different. But then think about it. Who's, who are they going to pick? Look at this group.
1: Well, hang on. That's the last thing I want to ask you. Even if Glenn Youngkin tomorrow announces he's getting in the race.
0: <laughs> Why does everybody think this guy is like some kind of great? He's just so exciting that the minute he gets in, everything changes. I am I not, don't,
1: I don't I'm see not it. arguing this. I am just asking <laughs> questions. So that would make... No difference no. Uh, to you at all, if Glenn no, Youngkin well, got it. He's Scott Walker Part
0: Two. Remember right. the charisma of Scott Walker. Keith, no, there's nobody out there.
1: <laughs> Keith, you wanna you wanna ring in? Glenn Youngkin makes no difference, right?
4: <laughs> I concur with Heather. It's uh-huh. not about any of the
1: others. And Desi, before with we get Trump out. Eagle, uh, before we get out, Desi, uh, you tell me I'm wrong every day, so that's nothing new. <laughs> well, but on this particular on one, yeah. I
3: really honestly don't know, but I think the point about the fact that Republican primary voters do not care, they're the ones that decide the Republican nominee in the Republican primary. I think we have to remember that this conspiracy to steal the 2020 election was a Republican party-wide conspiracy. It involved hundreds of Republican officials across the United States, including the chair of the Republican National Committee, sitting state lawmakers, sitting House, and mem- sitting members of Senate and, and the House, and the GOP candidates for 2024 have not condemned this uh, this indictment or the yeah. actions that he's taken. For the most part, Republican MAGA cult members don't care. So. Um, I think we have to keep that in mind whenever we approach any of this, that the Republican Party is in on the entire They're
1: thing. all in. All right, got to get all out. My <laughs> thanks to uh, Heather Digby-Parton, of course, of Salon and Digby's blog.net. You can find her on the uh, website formerly known as Twitter at Digby56. You can find Keith Barber, who is known as KeithDB, over at DailyCoast.com. You can find him also on that uh, ex-Twitter website. Uh at KeithDB80. Great having both of you as ever on the broadcast. I suspect we'll be talking to both of you uh very soon, <laughs> whether you like it or not. My thanks as well to Desi Doy and our producer and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program. You can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. There is no paywall there. That is thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And you'll find me on the Facebooks, Mastodons, and site formerly known as Twitter at The Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Ever lasts wants to. You're listening to The Bradcast. We are 100% listener-supported thanks to listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate.